That's how you should lead in. That right yes. there. Oh, <laughs> bitch better have my nugget. So that's our new sister, intro. It is our new intro. Yeah. It's a nugget <clears throat> of knowledge today. Nuggets of knowledge. We um, have. I'm excited. I watched uh, most of a documentary today about her. Did you watch the one on Netflix? Mm-hmm. I like how it was named Jackie. It was like, it was something about like Jackie and her sister. Like the, well, the subtitle oh. was like two sisters two sisters <laughs> and then the entire fucking documentary was just about jackie o and then at the very end they were like oh and this is a picture of her sister bye despite <laughs> the fact that her sister was a literal fucking princess yeah was she yeah oh, did she you married get info on that what did you get info on that yeah i i briefly mentioned lee marrying stanislaus radziwill and like becoming a literal polish princess so should we just dive in let's just we'll dive on in head first Oh, I see what you did there. I'm going to do a cannonball. <laughs> was that mean? No, I think it's okay. Oh, I just got yeah. it. Yeah. It's, right. it's been long enough, right? It's been and long Julie's, enough. Julie's ready to clutch her pearls. Yes. I know I didn't wear my pearls, but I'll, I'll pretend. I'll clutch them. Clutch, clutch, your, head, clutch your headphones. Clutch, clutch your headphones, headphones, ladies. <laughs> this is about to get real sad. I can't wait. All right. We ready? I'm ready. Let's go. All right. So... Jackie was born Jacqueline Lee Bouvier on July 28, 1929, to John Vernou Bouvier and Janet Lee Bouvier in Southampton, New York. Her father was a prominent stockbroker, and her mother was a kick-ass socialite. Um, she spent most of her childhood at a very, like, idyllic estate in East Hampton, um, and much like myself, Jackie was the favorite child of her father. Fair enough. Um, and from a young age was known to Penelope, you throw the shade. <laughs> She's fine. She is. Yeah. <laughs> she, um, uh, so, but from a young age, she was known for being super pretty, like very in uh, independent. She had like a really good sense of individuality. Um, she attended like a number of fancy schools, um, like Chapin in Manhattan. Um, and she just lived, you know, the privileged life of an East coast blue blood for all intents so she, and purposes. Was she basically like Blair Waldorf? She was basically like Blair Waldorf. Okay. Yeah. But with yeah. a sister that competed with her all the time. With a sister that competed with her all the time. Yeah. Um, so, however, like all rich people, her family had some issues that they didn't talk about publicly, and they kept buried deep, deep inside. Right. So every American family. Every right. American family. Got uh, it. Um, so her dad had a severe alcoholism. And um, had a number of extramarital affairs. Um, so this may explain why she was so willing to turn a blind eye to a lot of John's similar issues. And I think it was she saw a lot of her dad in him. He was handsome. He was wealthy. He, Yeah, well, like he came from this like very well established like East Coast family. Um, and it was it, he was checking off every box that she was supposed to have checked off. And I think a lot of those. She maybe felt that she could handle a lot of those demons because, like, she'd, you know, quote-unquote handled them before. Oh, they also spent a number <clears> of years <throat> recovering from some serious financial difficulties um, after the crash in 1929. So her family did struggle fiscally up until about the 30s. 
Uh, like the, the mid thirties. Uh, the stock market, uh, stock, oh, mar- stock okay, market like crash, physical crash of nineteen twenty nine of mechanics. Okay, I'm following. That's okay. Um, also, <laughs> all of these things, though, her dad's I alcoholism swear I went to school. <laughs> her dad's alcoholism, uh, the like money struggles, his constant cheating, resulted in her parents getting divorced in nineteen thirty six, which was unheard of with like elite East Coast families at the time. You just powered through. It was scandalous. You didn't do it. You didn't bring shame to... She was also Catholic, right? She was raised Catholic. She was raised Catholic. And that actually, that part sort of starts to play into some stuff after her mother gets remarried. Okay. So her mother remarries um, the Standard Oil heir, Hugh Dudley Auchincloss Jr. Um, The divorce was not easy for Jackie or Lee. They were uprooted from... New York. They were moved to McLean, Virginia, which is where um, her stepfather lived. Um, and she had to make all new friends, which obviously sucks for like an elementary schooler. Um, and she frequently said she felt out of sorts around her new like waspy Southern Episcopalian peers because she was Catholic, where it was much more common to be Catholic in the Northeast. Um Despite all of her like various family shit, Jackie does end up thriving and she goes on to attend Vassar. Um, and she has her debut into high society in New York City. So she comes in as a debutante. Um, she eventually transfers to George Washington University because she thought Vassar was trash. Wow. Yeah. Okay. She originally wanted to go to Sarah Lawrence um, because of its proximity to the city. But her mother and stepfather didn't want her being that close to Manhattan. Um, they wanted her kind of away. And, um, you know, Vassar was still an all-girls school at the time. Um, but she didn't like that it was very like sequestered and far away from a lot of stuff. And she wanted, she liked being in the thick of things. Okay. Um, so yeah, so she transfers to George Washington, um, which her parents allowed, uh, because it was close to Northern Virginia where her mother and stepfather lived. Um, and she even actually, after she and uh, Jack get married, she takes continuing education courses at Georgetown um, because he supported her to keep studying like the things that she was interested in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, after her graduation from GW, she takes a position as a junior editor for Vogue, but leaves after one day because at the ripe old age of 22 was considered too old to be single and thus not okay for Vogue. Stop. I'm not kidding. They sat her down and told her, we love you. We love your style. But you're 22 years old. You're unmarried. Not really what we're looking for. Probably not a great fit for you here. We think you should go somewhere else. What? Yeah. Which Anna Wintour would never have allowed. So she leaves Vogue, moves back to the D.C. area, um, and gets a job working at the Washington Times Herald as sort of like a man-on-the-street reporter. Um, they figured... <laughs> that she would work great in this position um, because she's pretty and she's likable and people wouldn't feel weird if she like came up and approached them and asked them, you know, questions on the street to get just opinions of the everyman. Um, During this time working for the Herald, she gets engaged to stockbroker John uh, Husted, but uh, that ends after about three months because he was boring and immature. Did anybody notice I was just gone for like... Yeah, I did. Oh, yeah. I heard the little bloop, bloop. I'm back. (laughs) Was everything okay? Um, yeah, Brandon's computer just shut off for no reason except for the fact that it wasn't plugged in. So really yeah, there, but there so no reason, reason. But truly no reason at all. Yeah, I agree. Anyways, go ahead. Um, all right, so one day in 1952, 
At a casual dinner party attended by many of her social circle, our girl Jackie, America's queen, is formally introduced to a strapping young U.S. Um, US congressman by the name of John Fitzgerald Kennedy. Which, like, strapping is an understatement. Oh. Uh, JFK is still by far the most attractive man to ever hold a political office. Absolutely, 100% ever. a snack. Like, like yeah. look at this, so like, cute. sorry, while you're talking, I know we, I always say this. Is it the picture of him in the Navy? No, uh, with it's his the shirt. picture of him. He's throwing a frat point. <gasps> look at him. He may have invented that. He might they took have. it from him. Honestly. He's like, what's up, bitch? <laughs> I love him. JFK, love damn it. glad to meet you. That's some older. I know okay. nothing about his politics, but I just know that he was really attractive. He's fine in a, in a pinstripe suit. <laughs> yeah. had, had that thing not happened, I think he would have been a great president. Probably. Because it was real early, right? Yeah, elected and uh, uh, ascended to office in 61, died November 63. Crazy. So sad. Yeah. Um, so uh, they were instantly drawn to one another because they were super hot, super smart, and super Catholic. So they were like, like, you and me. requirements. Exactly. Um, as JFK ran for, US, for the U.S. Senate seat, their relationship grew serious, and he proposes only a few months later in November of 1952. Jackie, however, takes some time to accept because the newspaper she's working for is actually sending her to England for a few months to cover the coronation of Queen Elizabeth. Oh. So she kind of tells him, I don't know, I have to go do this for my job. So if you, I mean, let me go do this. And then if everything's like hunky-dory when I get back, then I'll give you an answer. Yeah. So she was definitely like, I'm putting my, myself first here. Um, so when she gets back, she says yes, quits her job, and the engagement is formally announced on June 25th of 1953. They get married. Well, wasn't it also sort of like a political matchmaking ploy by his dad? Like It was. Like, I want you to be married, and like, I like this one, so go for it. That's kind of what it was. Uh, people don't trust unmarried people was sort of what it was viewed as. Yeah. Um, and she'd already had a really good reputation in the dc political scene because she was a reporter and a lot of them knew her and liked her and because of her family right so um in that sort of very like elite east coast situation she had a really really positive reputation got it um could you imagine though coming back from a business trip walking into your boss's office and being like sorry i'm engaged right i'm not coming back I think what? nowadays that's absurd, but I think then they were probably like, good for you, sweetie. Yeah, good that probably you. is true. Yeah, that's a good They point. probably yeah. expected it. Yeah, yeah, they were like, they just assumed that women left when they got married. Like, that's yeah. the goal. Okay, I, got it. Yeah. Um, so they get married only three months later on September 12th at St. Mary's Church in Newport, Rhode Island. She really with... wore a dress right off the rack, that bitch. <laughs> so actually, she didn't. She had a dress that was designed specifically for her. By a French fashion house, and it was looked down upon that she didn't choose an American designer. As an American politician's wife, they felt she should have been supporting American designers. Well, but she didn't. She She was ahead of her time because it's like the thing now, like France. Yeah, and she and everyone knew she had like a penchant for like Chanel tweed suits. So, yeah. Um, Okay, so here's something that blew my mind: their ceremony, just ceremony. Was had roughly. Be a pun? No, I wish it was though. 
um, <laughs> had roughly 700 guests. Holy cow. The reception, 1,200 guests. No. And it was considered so. the social event of the season, if not the year. Once um, again, overshadowing her sister. That makes me want to throw up. Yes. I, how do you feed that many people? I mean, I don't know. My guess is that probably only like 200 of them were her friends and her family, and then the rest of them were just friends at the Kennedys, right? As far as how to feed them, yeah. family style. Like, just like buco to beppo it, just yeah. like here. Yeah. <laughs> Which I went to a wedding that where they did that, and I loved it. I thought it was so cool. Like, had we they had, had a buco different... to beppo? No, but they had family-styled <laughs> service. Oh, I would have walked the fuck out. <laughs> so you this is from where? I can't do this. <laughs> I think no, the buco de beppo. Yeah, the family style was cool. It was really, really cool, and the food was awesome. But, like, it only works if you have, like, two to three entree options and, like, four side options. That's not allowed in COVID anymore. No, it's probably no. not. Sharing actually. is not caring these days. Yeah. It's not. Um, so uh, after their honeymoon, life isn't super easy. Um John suffers from what's called Addison's disease. It's a genetic condition. Um, not a lot is, like, known about it or what causes it, but it does cause you to have, so, like, severe nerve pain and stuff like that. Oh. Um, and he also has chronic back pain because he sustained injuries from his time in the Navy during World War II. Um, he actually uh, saved – after his, like, plane was shot down, he, like, saved a bunch of people out in the South Pacific, and um, he was just – he was a war hero. Wow. How old was he when they got married? He was in his 30s when they got married. He was only like 41 when he was elected to president. Elected I was going to say, because, so then he was a young war hero. Yes. Yeah. Um, so he would have been in his <clears throat> like 20s and during World War II because he was still the early 50s at this point. Yeah. <coughs> um, so uh, aside from Jack's struggles um, – Jackie suffers two miscarriages within the first few years of their marriage and gives birth to a stillborn daughter named Arabella. Mm. So it's not looking ideal for her in that department. Um, however, in 1957, Jackie gives birth to Caroline. Um, and she was born during John's re-election campaign to the Senate. And she's still alive. She is still. She's the only one that's still alive. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and during his time on the campaign... Um, he, you know, brought Jackie and the baby and this really worked in his favor. Yeah. Um, the constituency loved her, loved that they had like a little bouncing baby girl. Um, and they, uh, they found her demeanor to be always obliging and cheerful. The baby? So, the baby? Oh, no, 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 Jackie. Oh, no, no, okay. the, no, the baby has no demeanor. The baby is a blob at this point. That's what I was right, going to say. Right. I was like, well, that's yeah. awfully nice of the baby. I blob, blob, Caroline. No, 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 go do whatever you want. I'll hang back here. <laughs> yeah. Um, campaigning did have a serious strain on Jackie, though, due to the fact that she would grow increasingly uncomfortable and shy when provided with too much attention. Because mm. um, she always felt like, oh, no, it's not my, like, it's not my shtick. It's my husband's. I read something that, like, the morning that they found out he won the election, she insisted on, like, taking a walk by herself. She did. Yeah. She, she needed was just to, like, like she, like, needed a minute to just, like, Decompress get it together. And, yeah. 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 Um, so he's reelected to the Senate in 1958, and he refers to his wife as, a, as simply invaluable to his life, but most especially to his campaign. So 
Um, in July of 1959, historian um, Arthur M. Schlesinger visits the Kennedy compound in Hyannisport and had his first conversation, <laughs> I had to say it that way, on Cape Cod, <laughs> and had his first conversation with Jackie, and he found her to have tremendous awareness and an all-seeing eye compared with a ruthless judgment. Um, that year, JFK travels to 14 states with Jackie um, taking long breaks from the trip so she could spend time with their daughter. Uh, she also counseled her husband on improving his wardrobe in preparation for his intended presidential campaign the following year. So this moves really quickly. He's reelected to Senate in a midterm year, so 1958, and then instantly has to jump into campaigning for president to be elected in 1960. That's really wow. fucking stressful. So, yes. So you have to look at Jackie. She's being toted around all over Massachusetts. And now she's about to be toted around all over the United States. Because they recognize that they need her for the campaign because she brings in a lot of female votes. Right. Um, so she accompanies her husband on a number of campaign trips during his bid for president. However, shortly into the campaign, she becomes pregnant, and due to her history, she makes the choice to stay home. Um, she was worried that the travel would be too stressful on her and the baby. Um, it's at this time that she becomes increasingly recognized for her fashion choices, so people just sort of see her out and about, like, <clears throat> being a mom. Yeah. Um, but on the flip side of that, her preference of French designers over American ones and the amount of money she would spend on her and Caroline's clothing and accessories garnered some negative attention hmm. um but being the smart lady that she is downplays her wealthy and super not relatable background <laughs> by stressing how much she does for the campaign and publicly declining to comment on her clothes so when she would go to events and people would ask her oh who is this who what are you wearing she would oh. just say it doesn't matter that's not what we're here for smart move yeah so she literally took herself out of the conversation her wedding dress is beautiful. Their whole wedding was gorgeous. Like not one that I would wear, but like if I saw someone else wearing, I'd be I would die. Yeah. Hold on, let me look it up. It's really something like you've never seen. I got into it's an really argument cool. with somebody over um Princess uh Beatrice's wedding dress from two weeks ago. So I thought it was really sweet that it was one of Elizabeth's dresses. I did too, and I like that she added those little sleeves to it. Yes. It reminded um, me of a like the dress Cinderella wears. When did this happen? It didn't have a really big. I think last week, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, they got married. Two weeks ago, and it oh, didn't have it. a huge skirt, which no. is my only big criticism because I like a princess in a big skirt. But like, oh. that's very. <laughs> I see that. What is, what's the word? It's like <laughs> I like a lady with a nice ass. <laughs> <laughs> I like a princess with a big. I skirt. like my princesses with big skirts. Um, but no, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty. I thought the skirt I liked it. line did good Her engagement her. ring, I can never get over. Which one? Jackie Kennedy? Yes. Oh, yeah. With the emerald? Mm-hmm. Kind of like Have yours. you looked it up, Julie? I'm looking it up right now. It is, um, what the, the youth would call baller. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. It is, I mean, it's second only to what I would say was the OG Diana ring. Yes, the one that Kate has now. The one that Kate has now, yeah, the sapphire. Um, Boom. Yeah, uh, but that thing is gorgeous. Um, okay, so, Jackie, don't talk to me about my clothes. That's not what we're here for. Let's talk about 
public policy. Um, so in November of 1960, her husband defeats Republican nominee Richard Nixon to become president. Two weeks later, JFK Jr. is born, um, and Jackie spends two weeks recuperating in the hospital. Um, which nothing serious happened in the birth, but she just wanted to take extra time. Like, that's a long time. She wanted to take extra time before she had to like go assume like I am first lady now. So yeah. I think she was sort of like, I can milk this one before I have to go be public and happy again. I'm going to do that. Right. So, um, but her time as first lady truly is astounding. Um, she's the first presidential wife to hire a press secretary. Um, and she carefully manages her contact with the media um, by shying away from public statements um, that, like, directly <clears throat> dealt with uh, policymaking. Um, and by, uh, so, like, nothing hard-pressing or, like, too serious she wouldn't provide any feedback on. Um, and by strictly controlling how much her children were photographed. So the kids could only be photographed if she gave them permission to do so. Which I think had, makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, nevertheless, she attracted worldwide positive public attention and gained allies for the White House um, and international support for the Kennedy administration and its Cold War policies. Um, my favorite thing about her, though, is how passionately she fought to promote the American arts and the preservation of its history. So she did use her platform as First Lady to really sink a lot of funding into historic preservation. Um, and she actually went on to create the National Endowment for the Arts and the National Endowment for the Humanities. She also was, um, I saw an interview with her, and I don't know, remember who was interviewing her, but they kept saying, like, oh, Jackie, so since you've moved into the White House, like, what changes have you made? And she kept kind of saying, like, well, I'm not entitled to make any changes because, you know, this belongs to the people and not to us kind of thing. Yeah, um, she she was real big on that. But she also said that what she hoped, and I don't know how this ended up turning out, and I guess maybe was it Theodore Roosevelt? There was another president that um, rather than selling off all the furniture that they had put into the White House during their term, they decided to keep it. And then it was like where they took the, what I guess is now like the blue room mm -hmm. and it had been like repainted a million times and like he decided that you couldn't paint it anymore. So she said that she thought that was really cool and she wanted to bring more like antique furniture from previous presidents back into the White House. So I'm actually just about to get into that. She oh, completely good. restores really it. really stealing yeah. the fucking thunder, Julie. She, Sorry, no, I, did, no. I did a little tad of research it was, on, on the It sad. was unheard. She completely restores it. Everyone knows that the first lady comes in and there is a social secretary and an interior designer who's strictly assigned to the White House and you pick drapes, what you want. Uh, furniture, yeah. whatever whatever it is that you want. And you can, and they do this. They, they completely pull out any relic of the past administration and they put your stuff in in like three and a half weeks. It's crazy. So, but she, yeah, completely restores it. Um, and there's a, there was actually a PBS special that aired um, on TV in 1960 about all the work that she had put into restoring it. And these reporters followed her around the White House from room to room. And she explained to them, this is what it would have looked like at such a some time. So I brought these in and I brought that in. Um, and, you know, to make it seem more you know, because of the type of, you know, molding in this room and things like that. I mean, she really just overhauled it and sort of brought it back to a very um, regal, uh, like, like almost like a presidential palace, if mm -hmm. you will. Um, 
So yeah, she worked on that for her first year as first lady. That was her, you know, big thing. Um, I will say though, uh, during his first two years as president, um, JFK does begin to engage in a number of alleged extramarital affairs, um, while dragging Jackie along with him on a, on constant trips overseas. So they recognized that she was invaluable in gaining foreign allies because of how sweet and cheerful and all this that she was. So it was just not allowed for her to stay home pretty much. Like you have to come. It's my first year. You have to show up to all these state dinners and, you know, whatever country we're in. And she went because she kind of had no choice. Um, So in order to keep up their energy, the family's private doctor would essentially shoot them up with what was basically meth. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's the crazy fact. That was probably medicine back then, basically. Yeah. So, um, it yeah, they would eventually essentially just, like, give them meth to stay awake and, like, give them, like, opiates to go to sleep. Oh, my so gosh. So, they're kind of on drugs the entire time they're in the White House. Um, but prescription drugs. So, it's fine. Administered by yeah. a doctor. Yeah, Sounds and like a party administered intravenously by a doctor. Um, and so this way they could remain young and vibrant at all of their, you know, dinners and balls and stuff. Right. Um, the rumor of the infidelities and the constant drug use uh, t- um, starts to really take a toll. And they do start to experience some strain between the two of them. Um, in 1963, she becomes pregnant with a baby boy um, in August. Um, seven weeks before her due date, she goes into labor and baby Patrick is born. So sadly, because he's seven weeks early, he does die. Mm -hmm. Um, his lungs weren't fully developed and they just didn't have the medical technology at the time to save him. Um, that's her, that's her second, that's her second. Yeah. Time. Like, yeah. Losing a child, losing a child. Um, so naturally she becomes incredibly depressed. Um, however, uh, her husband, recognizing his wife's mental state, works really, really hard to bring the couple back together and sort of starts to mend all these cracks that began happening in those, you know, those two years in office, that 61 to 62 sort of time frame where he um, was, you know, getting sung to by Marilyn Monroe and all these lovely things. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Happy birthday, Mr. President. <laughs> um. So he does work hard um, to get her better and they sort of bond over this shared grief that they have. And they do start to fall, I wouldn't say fall back in love with each other, but they do start to come back together as like a couple. Um, So Jackie's friend, Aristotle Onassis, aware of her depression, um, invited her to his yacht to recuperate. Um, She ends up, she just goes by herself pretty much. It's just her alone on this boat. Um, Her husband is initially concerned but he relents because he thought it would be good for her especially since they're gonna have to go into preparations for um a second campaign Mm -hmm. so the trip was widely disapproved of within the administration and by a lot of the public and also in congress so they didn't think that it was okay for a married woman to be traveling to a male friend's boat alone um, she returns Some to the United States. would probably say the same thing. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, she returns to the U.S. on October 17th, 1963, 
and she would later say she regretted being away as long as she was, but had been melancholy after the death of the baby. Mm-hmm. Less than a month later, outside Dealey Plaza in Dallas, Texas, a gunman opens fire on a presidential motorcade. Three shots are fired. One hits the governor of Texas in the shoulder. The other two hit JFK in the face and head. Jackie screaming, jumps over the back of the limousine and grabs John and just cradles him as the cars rush to Parkland Hospital. So, okay, so Lee Harvey Oswald. Yes. Is who we're pretty sure shot JFK. I don't think it happened. I don't think he did it. See, that's what I was going to say. There is, a, I guess, a lot of conspiracies still You need to watch this. Oliver Stone's documentary about JFK okay. or, or movie about JFK. Uh, they um, sort of, I mean, it's still just a movie, but nonetheless, it's like factually like dug into. Um, yeah. And I even talked to my dad and having been in the army and like been a deputy and everything, he says like ballistic speaking, it's not possible. That's crazy. But they needed someone to kind of. Well, and then they didn't even really persecute him because he got shot. They He got shot two days later being taken from like one jail to another. crazy so i saw there was i don't know if it was like i can't remember if it was a documentary that i saw or if it was that really amazing movie that natalie portman was in oh which i haven't watched yet but But they're like something keeps telling me that she was she jumped over his body and she was like reaching for pieces of his head and she She was was. put him she was trying to put him back together she was that pink chanel suit ends up just being covered in like blood and like fragments of brain. Oh. Essentially. RIP to the suit. Oh, actually, <laughs> not necessarily. Um, we're about to hear some gross stuff about the suit. Uh, but that comes in a minute. So sorry, I'm I had ready. to turn a timer off. I'm making what are you soup. making? I'm making soup. Um, but the you had to like cook chicken in the soup and then you, you take the chicken out and shred it. Yeah, so I'm put it back in. And then you put it back in, so it's going to sit in there for a minute until I go to shred it. I don't think anything's going to happen to it. I'm a but, big um, fan of soup in quarantine. I this is my first time like really making like an actual like a like a real I followed a recipe soup as opposed to just being like <laughs> chicken broth, sausage, kind of white make? beans, soup. Uh, what did you say? What kind of soup did you make? It is a Greek lemon chicken yes. soup. Yes. Yes, that's my favorite. I'm oh really God, excited. so good. Um, okay. Hours later, after intense surgery, John Fitzgerald Kennedy is pronounced dead. Oh. Jackie has lost her son and husband in a three-month span. That is horrifying. Truly. She is whisked away to Air Force One to bear witness to Lyndon Baines Johnson being sworn, before, um, being sworn in before the plane even leaves the tarmac. She reportedly refused to change from her blood-stained pink Chanel suit. It is unlaundered to this day and will be on display in the Smithsonian in three years. <gasps> Where has it been for all this time? Caroline has it. So Caroline Kennedy has been in possession of it. She's going to give it up. I wouldn't she, want that she actually, Yeah, Caroline actually promised the, the Smithsonian that, you know, either upon my death or like within a certain period of time, you will acquire these, you know, uh, um, articles. Oh my God. I want to see it. I do too. Spook. spook. It's, it's, it's a little spooky, but it's also like really cool. Oh man. Mm. Also. So the stuff with her. So it's like in a garment bag in her house. 
Yeah, pretty much. It's probably it's probably airtight. Like I bet. Yeah, it's, it's like hermetically sealed for sure. Yeah. But yeah, uh, she refused to take it off, like refused, because they were like, "Do you want to change?" Like she wouldn't take it off, and she wouldn't wash the blood from her hands. Hmm. So she. I would probably do the same thing. Though. She doesn't shower until she gets back to DC. And there's that scene in the Natalie Portman movie where yes. she's like washing her hair and the blood's just, yeah. yeah. Um, so, but other fun fact, uh, the, there was no law in place that stated what happens uh, if a president becomes incapacitated. So there was technically nobody leading the country when he was in surgery. Because LBJ was not sworn in temporarily. So because of that, we now have the 25th Amendment. So anytime the president goes like under anesthesia or anything like that or is under stress, the um, vice president is sworn in. And then when the president comes back out, he's sworn back in. Now, does he – so if your VP is sworn in, is it – is it – can he refuse to swear back out? And then is there, like, could there be, like, a power struggle? Well, then there's a coup. Um, but technically, yeah. um, I, I would hope. I mean, I'm sure there's that option. But um, but that's just, that's wild. I never I never thought of it like that. That's yeah. a good one, Jeff. Uh, that's good. That's good, Jules. I like yeah, that. I don't know. There's a um, lot of things. There, we, may, we may have a coup at the end of the year. We don't know. Julie's gonna be like it was technically my idea but I didn't initiate it yeah I said it I said it one time on a Monday and yeah uh, I just didn't follow through with it but I said it first (laughs) oh man so that is gross but really cool about the suit for sure uh for me it was one of the more heartbreaking things I'd ever read because it was just a clear sign she didn't want to be separated from like the last thing she had of him yeah like the like like the last living like oh yeah it gave me like when i read it it gave me chills like i was just like oh um so she spends the two weeks following his death living in the white house and planning for his funeral um she would go on to spend 1964 in mourning and making very few public appearances it is likely she did suffer from a severe case of ptsd i mean yeah i would too if my husband's brains were blown out onto my body and all i could do was cradle his head and scream (laughs) so um, eventually she would go on to buy a penthouse for herself and her children in Manhattan in the hopes of having more privacy. Um, she would then handle a number of memorials and dedications for her late husband. She oversaw the dedication and creation of his presidential library. She maintained a relationship with her brother-in-law, Robert Bobby Kennedy. She would actively campaign for him and is credited for changing the public's opinion of Bobby from dislike to something more similar to her husband. The relationship would give her great strength um, and solace until his assassination in 1968. Um, So after he died, Jackie reportedly suffers a relapse of depression. Uh, Everyone around her is dying. Yeah, Um, seriously. Yeah. And uh, so it's similar to the one she suffered following her husband's assassination. She came to fear for her life and those of her two children, saying, if they're killing Kennedys, then my children are targets. I want to get out of this country. Yeah. Which I do not blame her. No, no not either. at all. So um, a lot of people felt that this was like paranoia and whatnot, but honestly, like. Whatever. She, she'd undergone a, like a number of great traumatic events. And like, yes, she's probably suffering from some type of 
paranoia, but this is so warranted. She also had enough money to just go to another country. So, like, That's why not? <laughs> literally, yes. So she. It's not like <clears throat> a manic, like, depressive state where you're just like, I'm going to leave the country, and it's not even possible. Like, she could just leave if she wanted to. Yeah, she could leave, come back, and leave again. Like, she's yeah. fine. And then she'd still be like, you know, I still have plenty of money to do this nine times over. Yeah. Um, so on October 20th, 1968, um, a little bit after Bobby's assassination, um, she ends up marrying her longtime friend Aristotle Onassis. They were sort of dating secretly, like, on the side. Um, he was a wealthy Greek shipping magnate, and he was able to provide the privacy and security she sought for her and her children. So she was able to get out of the country. Um, their wedding took place on Skorios, Onassis's private Greek island in the Ionian Sea. Oh, um, exotic. Yes. After marrying him, she does take the legal name Onassis and consequently lost her right to Secret Service protection. Um, because she was no longer a Kennedy, which is an entitlement of a widow of the U.S. president. The marriage That's brought so her considerable adverse public- publicity. Shocker. Um, the fact that her new husband, Aristotle, was divorced and his former wife, um, Athena Levanos, was still like, alive, led to speculation that Jackie might end up being excommunicated from the Catholic Church um, because she married um, like a divorcee. Which is a big no-no in Catholicism. Oh. Um, but uh, Boston's Archbishop, Cardinal Richard Cushing, said, like, this is nonsensical and, like, um, you know, we would never do that. But she was condemned by some as a public center and became the target of severe hordes of paparazzi who followed her everywhere and nicknamed her Jackie O. Mm. So during their marriage, the couple inhabited six different residences, casual. Um, her 15-room Fifth Avenue apartment also in Manhattan, one. her horse farm in New Jersey, his Avenue Folk apartment in Paris, the private island Scorpios, his house in Athens, his yacht Christina O, um, <laughs> among others. Uh, Kennedy ensured that her children, um, you know, continued to have a connection with the Kennedy family um, and by having Ted Kennedy, their uncle, visit them often. She ended up developing a close relationship with Ted Kennedy, um, and from then on, she was involved in uh, he was involved in a lot of her public appearances. Um, so Aristotle's health deteriorates really rapidly following the death of his son Alexander in a plane crash, um, and he ends up dying of respiratory failure at age sixty nine in Paris um, on March fifteenth, nineteen seventy five. His financial legacy was severely limited under Greek law. Um, which dictated how much a non-Greek spouse uh, could in- non-Greek surviving spouse could inherit, um, and after two years of legal wrangling, Kennedy eventually accepted a settlement of the chump change amount of twenty-six million dollars. Oh, just a little, yeah, pocket change from his daughter, daughter Christina, who was his sole heir, and all other um, and waived all other claims to the Anassis estate. So, um, she does return to the U.S. permanently after this. She takes a job. Um, sorry, she uh, takes a job um, consult as a consulting editor for Viking Press. She would even go on to help her brother-in-law Ted Kennedy with his run for president. Um, this was highly contentious. I don't know how much you guys know about Ted Kennedy, but he was involved in something called the Chappaquiddick incident. Yes. Yeah, so I briefly read about that um, today as well. So um, for you, Elizabeth, uh, Ted Kennedy got super drunk at a party with um, a bunch of women who helped campaign for his brother, Bobby. And, he, and one of the women were driving back to his house. 
he's super drunk, crashes the car over a bridge. Oh, and I hate into, that. Into like an inlet. Um, he gets out, says he tried to get her out, and she ends up drowning. But like, mm. did he try? But like, there's a good chance he didn't try, and he like was like, oh fuck, 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 fuck. Like, I'm super drunk. I'm married. I'm with this other girl. Right. And my brother is like running for president. So. Sounds like a night. Yeah, I bet it was a ton of fun. They pretty much were able to cover it up because they're just like <laughs> they, a lot of money and. That's pretty much it. Kind of got like it. I don't want to say it got swept under the rug, but um, it's just people don't talk about it yeah. really anymore. Um, but so, yeah. So his bid for president was very much like, what do you think you're doing? We all think you killed someone. Um, so she would later go on to resign from Viking and take a job with Doubleday Publishing, where she worked as an associate editor. And in her spare time, she worked really, really hard on a number of preservation histor- historical preservation projects, most notably a 1970 project to renovate Grand Central Terminal. So they were going to tear down Grand Central wow. and put, like, some 1970s nonsense there. But she and a lot of other, um, like, famous New York Cityites, I guess, were like, no, 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 like, this is a piece of, like, Manhattan. Like, you can't do this. So they fought against... Um, like you know the city of new york to maintain it and um a lot of them put in their own like private money to have it renovated and restored that's awesome yeah and she did that with a number of things throughout the city so uh there were buildings like in and around columbus circle that they wanted to tear down and build skyscrapers but these were like old historical homes and she was like no 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 don't do that um and she fought really really hard um just to make sure that a lot of these like classic New York buildings were taken care of. Um, She does end up remaining the subject of considerable press attention, especially from the paparazzi. She actually ends up being stalked by a photo, like a photographer. um, Just as she would like go about her day, like I'm going to the store. Isn't he the one that named her Jackie O basically too? So she, it's not this guy. It was a different guy named her Jackie O, but this guy, his name was Ron Galella. Um, she actually ends up having to get a restraining order from him. Yikes. And the situation, twice, right? Twice. The situation brings like considerable attention to like the rising issue with like paparazzi photography, like amongst, um, the, you know, those in the public eye. Um, so in November of 1993, after she has led this like incredible life and she, um, you know, maintains these great relationships with all the incoming presidents and they invite her to essentially everything that they do because everyone loves Jackie. You know, it didn't matter what, you know, your politics were. Um, like Ronald Reagan and Nancy Reagan had her at the White House all the time. Yeah. Um, and she even, uh, she donated money to Bill Clinton's campaign, which, um, you know, when she was like actively involved in just the American political scene for the rest of her life. Um, But in 1993, she's thrown from her horse uh, while participating in a fox hunt in Virginia, and she's taken to the hospital just to be checked up. Um, They find a swollen, like a very large swollen lymph node in her groin, which they thought was just a mild infection. Like, oh, you're old. These things happen. They put her on antibiotics. Um, Nothing changes. Um, And then her health just starts to really rapidly deteriorate so she starts to experience newer worser symptoms um like a severe stomach ache 
more swollen lymph nodes like all over her body and mm. she ends up getting diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, she begins chemo in January of 1994 um, and where she publicly announces the diagnosis stating that the initial prognosis was good for her. Um, she continues to work um, but by March the cancer had spread to her spinal cord and brain and by May uh, her liver um, and kidneys were compromised and it was deemed terminal. So she made her last trip home from New York Hospital, uh, Cornell Medical Center, on May 18, 1994. The following night at 10.15, Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis dies in her sleep at the age of 64 in her Manhattan apartment. Um, in the morning, her son, JFK Jr., announced his mother's death to the press, stating that she had been surrounded by her friends and her family and her books, the people and things that she loved the most. He added that she did it in her own, very own way and on her own terms, and we all feel very lucky to have had that. So was it assisted suicide? No. Um, I think she I just think wanted to die at home. She, she just wanted to die at home. So, oh, okay. Uh, I, don't, I don't think she wanted hospice care or anything like that. She probably sort of felt, you know, look at everything that I've seen and done, and right. I'm just, I just want my, my children there. Um, on May 23rd, her funeral or her funeral mass was held a few blocks away from her apartment at the Church of St. Ignatius Loyola, the Catholic parish where she was baptized in 1929 Aww. and confirmed as a teenager um, 13 years later. She's interred at Arlington National Cemetery alongside President Kennedy, their son Patrick, and their stillborn daughter Arabella. Bill Clinton delivered a eulogy at her graveside service. Three years later... Her son, JFK Jr., his wife, and his sister-in-law would die in a plane crash. That's Aww. right. I forgot about that. Um, while trying to fly to the Kennedy compound in Cape Cod. I so essentially in... Right? So, and it's pretty much upon Jr.'s death that, like, this theory of them, of Camelot, just being completely disintegrated. That's so sad. Yeah. And it's... um. It's this But there are assumption. a lot of them, and we still have, there's at least one Kennedy that's still in the Senate. We Joe still have, yeah, Kennedy? uh, Joe Kennedy's in the Senate. Yeah. Yeah, that's, um, that is Bobby's son. He's an anti-vaxxer, though. Yikes, mm. I hate that. Yeah, I know. He's pretty young to be an anti-vaxxer. Right? I, Isn't he kind of younger? I um, feel like young people are doing that. Like, if he's, like he's, like, in his he's, 40s, right? Yeah, he's, like, Gen X. He's 39. 39, 39, okay. But yeah, he's Seems an anti-vaxxer. He's an anti-vaxxer, but I guess not. Um, I recently found out that Jessica Biel's an anti-vaxxer. Oh, I know. No. I know. I didn't like that one bit. No. It really bothered me. Um, um, and then Ted Kennedy, who probably killed someone, was in the Senate till he died in 2009, right? Yeah, Ted Kennedy would not die. Till he did. Till he did. He had a brain tumor. I can't wait for all these. One thing I also, oh my God, my dog is making such weird noises because he's just in a weird mood. I think he's hallucinating. He keeps, oh. being, he keeps going oh my like. God. Do something keep... weird. Like, like, <laughs> like do this to his face and see what Murph. he does. He's doing nothing to respond to <laughs> He literally just keeps going like. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and that's like unlike him. Um, so. One thing that I read about her today that I really liked, I thought that was really cool. She had, I guess, like fashion consultants too. So she she mostly dressed herself, but she also 
did have people that kind of like she she really believed in clothes and like that clothes could say something she she knew the power of stepping out in the right outfit at the right moment like she really understood what that meant and so I guess when you mean she, me wearing leggings and a t-shirt to Trader Joe's, right? Isn't so it's everything I'm not. She's everything I'm not, basically. <laughs> is that what you're trying to say? It is. And she, um, I guess, had like studied and like her consultant had suggested to her when they went to India, they said she said wear pink and orange and wear like mm-hmm. very bright pink and orange. In India, that's like wearing navy. In the United States, like it's like it's that's like, like classy their, AF. They're classy, yeah. like commonplace color. So she did. So like. There's, I think, pictures of her stepping off the plane in India, and she's in this awesome, like, bright pink and orange, like, suit. And it's just, like, I don't know. It's just, it's neat that she really, I feel like, was known for and very intentional in the clothes that she wore as well. Yeah, and I feel like something really positive should be said of that. It shouldn't be just, like, oh, she's just this fashion plate who dresses nice. Like, yeah, she knew what she was doing. There's a really, really great uh, scene from the show The Crown where um, she yes. and her husband go to visit Elizabeth and Philip. Um, and they like just the way they have like the outfit she chose and the jewelry she's wearing, like she's there to say, like, I'm not like, I'm not on par with you. Like, I'm not trying to, you know, like outdress you or anything, but I am here to let you know that like I am something. So here yeah. she is. Oh, that's perfect. I love her little her little headband, like fascinator deal. And I think she's wearing a bindi as well. Or maybe they gave her that when she cuz I know they gave her the flowers. They had to I feel like they probably gave her the bindi. I don't think they'd like it if she just like showed up with the bindi. Yeah. Well, she's like, here's the funny thing about that. And I don't know for sure, but I used to book Indian weddings and yeah. um I never actually got to work one. Um but the brides that I worked with would always be like Oh, like if I gave you a sari, will you wear it? Like they wanted you to like dress up. Which oh, I'm that's so cool. Dumb. I'm like really bummed now that I never actually got to work the one Indian wedding that I booked at my hotel because that would have been like really cool to see all of that. Um, I actually left that job before the wedding ever actually happened because you know they book like two years out. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, if she had enough of, like a cultural consultant, that may have been something that they culturally could have appreciated I don't know I do think you have to be careful about that stuff but it seems as if she was like very well received I she on that trip especially she consistently and I and I think that I mean she was well received everywhere she went and like sadly it did end up becoming detrimental to her because they recognized just how invaluable having her there was Mm -hmm. and so it was sort of like well Jackie you have to come because everyone loves you and she's just like well I'm tired and I have children and like, I don't want to fly to, you know, to France. No, and not then to, the mess. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then they're like, well, here, we'll just give you this stuff real quick. Yeah. And yeah. she's like, oh, cool. It's going to make my husband angry and, and then we're going to fight and then I'm going to get pregnant again. Yeah. <laughs> and it probably wasn't good for the babies either. Oh, no. Think, I mean, I think about this a lot. Let me just put this into perspective. Do you ever wonder, like, how real fetal alcohol syndrome is? As because in, I think about, like, or... I think about, like, my parents. Like, my grandparents were for sure just getting wasted oh, my, my, There's no way my grandmother didn't smoke while she was pregnant throughout the entire pregnancy. Yeah. No way. And I, and I just, like, were my parents just, like, made of stronger stock? Like, I just, I don't, you like, know, there's... 
it's wild it's to one, me. I think it's one of those things where fetal alcohol syndrome in general is not as common as you think it would be. I think that there's right. this fear, like if you're if you're pregnant and you have a glass of wine, you're going to give your kid fetal alcohol syndrome. That's and, that's literally what I've always thought. Yeah, no, and mm. I think that that's not really the case. No. Also, think about the fact when we. I'm not condoning drinking alcohol while you're pregnant. I'm just saying. No, wait, wait, this is not a drink alcohol (laughs) while pregnant podcast. Yeah. Um, No, but I I think it's the same thing. Like, so when we were babies, and I'm not sure if everybody here knows this, but the doctors at the time were basically telling our parents to sleep us on our stomachs because it was believed at that time if we spit up, they didn't want us to choke. We'd choke on it. Um, and then I also slept in a crib, crib that was full of like stuffed animals and blankets and whatever. Bumpers, uh, crib bumpers. Like yeah. you roll over and just cloth. I know. And, um, so I think that like, it's just, we know more now. Like, uh, my husband was telling me that babies have, it's like really weird. It's like a baby that's that little, there's like a protection valve when they spit up, it doesn't go back into their lungs. It goes into their stomach. Yeah, and it goes away as we get older, which make which I'm like, why? Because that would be really convenient and save lives, <laughs> probably for lots of college kids all over America. But um, that's why it doesn't matter if a baby sleeps on their back because they don't choke on their spit up. Back is best. Mm-hmm. That's what um, they say. Has Brandon delivered a baby yet? So they, during his clinical rotations that he did in OB and labor and delivery, they wouldn't let him in the room. Oh, I was hoping for like a happier. No, yeah, I would love story. for him to see a delivery, but I think probably if it were me and they were like, can we have this male student nurse in here? I'd probably be like, sure, thinking it was like a flamboyant gay, and I'd probably love that kind of energy while I'm having a baby. <laughs> and then Brandon walks in, and like, not only is he not a flamboyant gay, he's like this cute male nurse. I'd be like, absolutely, I don't and want to. And he's like broing out with yeah. the dad. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, I don't want you to see me shit on the floor. Um, so I don't, I think that that's part of the reason. Like, I think he was like, he's just only... too cute for labor and delivery. He's, cute, he's too cute for labor and delivery. Random people don't want him to see that. So um, sadly, is he, he going to was... be too cute for when you labor and deliver one day oh, though? No, absolutely not. He will bring me all the things. I don't care if I poop on him. No, I don't care about that. All the ice chips and ice pellets. All and... the ice chips and all the ice pellets and the red wine for right after I deliver. I want red wine immediately. One of our friends, because she was like, she went a little hard with the first kid. And she was like, no deli meat, no this, no that, like nitrates. Oh, my God. You could not rip goat cheese out of my hand no matter how ha- pregnant That is one, though, that you really can't have, which sucks. Because it's unpasteurized. You can't have, like, soft cheese. It's going to be hard. We just pregnant Elizabeth, like, with all the brie cheese in the world. Like, I don't like, care if it's it unripened. Um, yeah. <laughs> you can have sushi if it's, like, got cooked fish in it. So that kind of works. Like That's not actual tempura. sushi. I can handle that. I can do tempura. Yeah, I can handle that. It's. The... I can do, like, spicy, like, the tuna, spicy tuna roll that's fried because then it's cooked. Yes. Yeah, as long as yeah. it's cooked all the way. But then I – I mean, you have a tuna limit because of mercury. Because I mean, of mercury, that's shit, true. They, yeah. I, again, I don't care. <laughs> you do you, boo-boo. The kid's going to be fine. <laughs> listen, I'm probably going to have a glass of wine at my baby shower one day. My mom literally told me, and please bear in mind, I was born with multiple heart defects. And she said to me, and she goes, I just Diet Coke and caffeine the entire time. And I was just like, like, maybe you shouldn't have done that, mom. You know, and I looked at her and I was like, maybe if you equated this to Penelope, I'd feel better about this yeah. topic like <laughs> poor Pip yeah and and I'm just looking at her and she's like well I did it with Penelope too and I'm like well Penelope wasn't born with holes in her heart so yeah. like so clearly <laughs> not the same 
Yeah. She goes, Anyways. it was congenital. You're fine. Clearly genetic. Well, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, um, Jackie O's meth habit didn't have anything to do with her miscarriages because then I'm sure she would live with a lot of guilt. But I bet back then they didn't even know. They didn't know. They didn't know what they were doing. No. This is also back when it was like, well, my wife yells and she won't have sex with me. She's clearly insane. Here, make her take this. Yeah, like, take some yeah. preludes. Yeah, literally, like just ludes on ludes on ludes. Yeah, it was definitely the time for that. I mean, they literally, I think... I think people back then were like overly medicated because they were like, medicine's this cool new thing and it can fix all your problems. Right. I mean, they were literally, they were giving married couples who were having issues MDMA and being like, take this and go home and work it out. So they're just like, like all all like hopped up on ecstasy and like everything's good for the few hours they're on ecstasy and then the come down, they're all depressed and terrible and it's like, it only works when we're on this medicine. It's like, well, then keep taking it. Yeah, just go every day. Just go. So then they just all eat out all day long. My God. Oh, man. Just strobe lights and glow sticks. Sounds kind of nice, but maybe not every day. No. Uh, from what I've been told, the come down from ecstasy is real tough. Well, I'm sad she's not still alive, but. I know, because technically speak- speaking, that was weird. Speaking, technically, technically, technically speaking. speaking, she really should be. Yeah, she could still be, like, in her 80s right now, right? Or yeah. She was born in 1929. Oh. No, not 80s. No, she might be dead she by now. Be yeah, dead she, by she now. might be dead. She might be dead. She would have been a 90 last She'd year. She would no, 20 not. Oh, yeah, 90. 20, 90. Should have been 90. So, oh, she could have. She could have been alive. She could have been alive. I mean, Olivia de Havilland just died yesterday at 104. Who's that? She played Melanie Hamilton in Gone with the Wind. Oh. Yeah. I mean... Nobody actually likes Melanie, but That's Scarlet really for the win. Because, well, but you're right. I have a friend named Melanie who is named after the character Melanie. But then even my friend Melanie's like, she's not even the one anybody likes. No, she's she like mousy and sad. And like, Ashley only married her because like, she's like non-confrontational and, and right. isn't an issue. Exactly. Like Scarlet would have fought with you. It's Melly's so just like, That's whatever you want, Ashley. Literally, my friend says that about the character. She's like, she's not even the good one. No, and I got named she's after not. Her. I and, have and no input. When was the last time you saw Gone with the Wind? I've never seen that movie. Do you have HBO Max right now? I'm. I don't. Do you have three hours of spare time? Oh my god, you I, should watch it. It's good. It is good. It's actually good. I mean, it's super frowned upon nowadays, but still very good. That's a subject for another day. I know that would actually really hurt my heart when they were like, "Not this one," and I was like, "What? No, why?" <laughs> yeah. I guess Kyle has been forced to watch it multiple times as well. Yeah, through his fraternity, they made them watch it. But yes. don't really sit down and watch it. Just, like, on the TV while drinking, watch it. That's not the same. Yeah. Um, Is it, like, Rose Red three hours? Uh, um, It's, like, three hours. I mean, it's long. But it, there like, is, you get an intermission. They give you an you intermission. Get, it's, it's, like, Titanic three hours. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure when we owned it, it was, like, two VHSs. As Rose Red. Rose Red is, like, ten hours long. It's, like, four and a half, right? Rose Red? Yeah. So, have you heard the story about this? No. Elizabeth, so, obviously, you've seen Rose Red, haven't we all? We've all were born in the 90s. Um, And it had been, like, a long time since I'd seen it. And there was one day that I had class, like, that afternoon. It was, like, maybe 11 (laughs) a.m. I had class at, like, 4. and Or maybe 3. And I was like, oh, let's watch Rose Red. And I was like, isn't it really long? And she literally was like, Julie, no, it's like an hour. 
And I was like, okay. So we like put it in and we start watching it. Like an hour comes and goes. I was like, I feel like not going to be over anytime soon. She goes, it's like two hours. It's fine. <laughs> I didn't go to class that afternoon or the next morning because we spent the next like 12 consecutive hours watching All right. Rose Red. I'm about to mini- find out how long it is. I'm on its like um, Wikipedia page right it's now. It's a mini made for TV movie series based on a Stephen King novel. It is. Yes. It's one of the OGs. <laughs> it has literally four parts to it. <laughs> it's like broken down into four. <laughs> oh my gosh, it had 18.5 million viewers. That's wild. It's a good movie. Is it a movie? I it's, don't know. It's a mini series. It's a mini it is, series. It is considered a mini series. Yes. I want to say each part is like, two, it might be six hours long. Maybe not 12. But either way, we started it at 11. I mean, I don't think I went. I think we like stopped for dinner. <laughs> and then, like, went out that night, and then the next morning watched part three. Like, I just skipped, like, multiple classes to watch the show. It was great. Uh, it I mean, aired over three nights. It's, like, six hours. Yeah. So it was, like, two hours every night. So it's fine. It's an hour. It's fine, Elizabeth. It's fine. <laughs> what what sort of – I love how it's just, like, casual viewing. Like, you just want to watch Rose Red real quick? <laughs> well, she had it on DVD. <laughs> I really had the buy-in, though. Yeah, I mean, it's true. I was it, like, it'll be really fast. And she you were was like, like okay. it'll be two, you're like, it's 10 minutes. And then she like gets <laughs> like, up to go to, progressively she gets up to shorter go to the bathroom. Every time. <laughs> and she gets up to go to the bathroom and she comes back and she's like, you're, are you putting in a second disc? I'm like, no, 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 there's three total. There's and three discs. I was like, discs. oh, cool. I'm not going to class. It's fine. <laughs> what class did you skip? So many. Didn't we all, though? So anyways, everyone go watch Rose Red and we'll do a uh, a critic's review about it. When are you guys going to do your next um, Embarrassing Stories podcast? I think next week. Next so you have to week. send us your story about Mr. Hotson. I emailed did. it. I emailed it in, yeah. Oh, perfect. She did it a month ago. Oh, great. All right. We're ready. I'm going to go make some tacos. I'm going to go shred this chicken. Well, I'm going to try to eat. You're going to just go eat? I'm going to eat so many things. We're all going to leave to just go consume food. I really, I really like that. As a trio, we were like... And we're going to go eat dinner now. So it's, it's you know, just the, this is the appetizer. That's right. The spritza. So follow us on Instagram at Spaghetti Heads Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Spaghetti underscore Heads. Send your embarrassing stories to SpaghettiHeadsPodcast.outlook.com. If you don't like what we're saying, then don't send us anything. And 